0: Does it say 20? Oh, there is no Revelation 23 is what you're saying. So what you're saying saying is a typo. It's Revelation 22. Yes, it is a typo. It's a typo. Because if it's Revelation 23, then that means it doesn't exist. Very good. It's Revelation 22. (laughs) See, that's why we hadn't gotten to it. (laughs) It was a test to see if we were paying attention. It's Revelation 22. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come together as a group. We thank you and give you praise, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for good discussion. We thank you for this time where we can just sit and reflect together on what your word has to say to us. And Lord, your word is magnificent. And in it, there is no flaw. There is nothing that can be found to be suspect. It is true. And Lord, we want to be worshiping the one who is indeed wisdom and truth. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Revelation 22 is where we need to be. Thank you. Revelation 22. And again, we're making references to heaven. And uh, ultimately, uh, these are passages that are going to be beneficial for us to look at heaven for explanation purposes. And it's very important for us to understand that we are need to be ready to disciple other people you just don't know when you're going to run into someone who wants to have questions answered about the Lord Jesus Christ or have questions answered about their faith and being able to teach, speak about these types of matters is going to be very beneficial I I'm pretty confident that Lynn and I are going to be running into a situation like this in the future I'm I'm almost certain of it Um, And it's just going to be uh, something that we'll be doing. So if we're going to run into it, I'm pretty sure you're going to run into it, too, because you're all uh, the ones who are following the word indeed. Um, All right. Revelation 22. Let's look at this passage, starting at verse one. This is now where scripture gets amazing with its imagery and with its way of showing what we have to look forward to because this is ultimately what this is about this is what we have to look forward to we need to be able to see these things Um, if we didn't have a description of heaven it would be that much more difficult for us to have faith but he gives us a glimpse of what it is that we have to look forward to and he showed me this is John of course speaking in Revelation 22 and he showed me a pure river of, of water of life clear as crystal Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street, of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on all their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, obviously, the imagery there, if you go back to the first part of that, the pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Well, Everybody knows what water looks like. Water is clear. It is clear in nature, but it also has minerals and deposits and everything else in it. And if you're around enough mineral water long enough, it it causes calcification. There's all kinds of things involved with that. Well, this, this water is so pure, clear as crystal. And look where it comes from, the throne of God and of the Lamb. It comes directly from Jesus Christ. It comes from the place where he is residing. Who can remember the passage where Jesus talks about the living water? Who knows where that passage is? In, pardon me? The woman at the well. Is it the, is, is one of, the Samaritan woman? There you go. Do you know where to find that passage? Anybody know where to find the woman at the well? I was asking, where can we find in the passages where Jesus talks about the living water? All right. All right, let's take a look. We got a John 4. We got a vote for John 4. We got a vote for John 7. Let's see what we got here. John 4. Well, it actually is John 4, 7. (laughs) That's That's how you do it. Just put them all, put the numbers together, and there you go. Everybody was was in the ballpark. Everybody was right. John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now, let me point something out, too. This is a significant event in Scripture because you have interaction between Jesus, who is a Jew, who is... Uh, born a Jew, at interacting with a Samaritan. And, of course, that just wasn't done back at that time. It just was not done. Samaritans went their own way. Jews went their own way. Pardon me? Oh, and that's the other thing, too. And men and women didn't usually interact on that level. You're correct. Yes, he was. He was treating her like a peer. I'm repeating what my wife said because she's so eloquent with her words. So I want to make sure I repeat that so everybody can hear it. So look what it says. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Just hold on one second here. What verse? I just lost my verse here. Verse 16, thank you so much. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) It's just interesting it just comes across that way. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for it is, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit, and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him okay now that went on i wanted you i tell you my, my app here is acting kind of weird so I, I wanted to show the point of the living water to make you aware of what was going on here um to show that this living water that's being referred to is a living water that is being referenced in revelation 22 when he's speaking about water and, and not thirsting this living water that we experience is the water that runs through us. We can use an analogy that is the Holy Spirit that is what runs through us and allows us to continue to, to function and move as we do. So it's a very important thing for us to see. Anybody have any questions about that at all? Thank you for indulging me while allowing me to go back and look at that. But we see the passage about the living water proceeding from the throne. And in the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. What other examples do we have of trees in Scripture that we know about? Genesis? That's right. And what was the whole thing about Genesis with that tree of life? I saw saw something on Twitter the other day. You know how we always label things, though? Well... The whole thing with the Garden of you know how we have Watergate and we have Spygate and we have all this? The thing with uh, the Garden of Eden and the tree was Applegate. Applegate. So the whole thing about eating that apple, I know. I thought it was kind of funny at the time. Um, but yeah, the tree of life, that's, that's Applegate. That's the one where the tree, <laughs> the apple was of all the trees you could eat from, but not that one tree. Because that was designated to be the tree of life. And that's the representation of it. So we have here in heaven a picture of the tree of life. On either side of the river was the tree of life. In other words, there were multiple trees of life which were represented in heaven on both sides of the street. Each tree yielding its fruit every month, the leaves of the tree, and the interesting, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, you don't go past that one too quickly, but what are we experiencing here on earth today? We have a lot of brokenness. We have a lot of nations in turmoil. We have sex trafficking. We have child trafficking. We have all kinds of things that are going on and taking place right now that are undermining uh, all aspects of our society. We have a lot of brokenness. We have sin and we have degradation. And so there's brokenness. And so there it requires healing. So even all of us who are going to be coming into heaven, yes, we will not be participating in sin, we won't have any sin, but we will still need to be healed. There because remember, what we talked about last week, we remember stuff. We remember these things. For those people who have experienced, well, let's just call it as it is. For those who have experienced abuse or have been trafficked, or who have gone through some sort of persecution or child endangerment or whatever it is, that's a trauma that those people experience. And if it was not for Jesus Christ, there would be no chance of healing. Think of that. That's something that we have to, we really can't express enough the power and the importance of Christ in healing. You know, we can have all kinds of therapy sessions. You know, the world will have all kinds of therapy for you. Yeah, there's therapy over here. Therapy. The world's therapy is not like God's therapy. It's not like the therapy of Christ. Because you have to understand what the world's therapy is rooted in. It's rooted in basically its own way of thinking and reasoning. Okay. And there shall be no more curse. Praise the Lord. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. That's interesting. So we actually will have a name on our foreheads that represents the name of Christ. That's interesting. There shall be no right night there. They'll need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. And that's something that's very, very important for us to see, too, that we won't need sunshine, we won't need moon, we won't need a moonlight, we'll just have the light of the Lord because of his very presence providing all the light that we need. Now look at verse 6 again. Then he said to me, 'These these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which shortly must take place. And understand something. These words are faithful and true. So what does this mean about verses 1 through 5? What you see and read here is what you will indeed experience. Because we trust that Jesus' words are faithful and true. He is speaking truth to us about what we will experience when we go to heaven. That's something to just praise him for and look forward to. Amen? That's something to look forward to. You know,
1: um, that verse kind of reminds me of someone swore thing of a politician, or you go before a judge and the judge say, Will you swear
0: to feel the truth? Yeah. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's right. So help you God. That's right. Yeah. Amen. And look at verse 7 once again, just to affirm that Scripture is very important in being uh, the... the the holy word of God, Blessed, uh, behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Keeps the words of the prophecy. In other words, hold on to these words. Remember these words. Always regard what these words have to say about what we have to look forward to. And going further than that, share these words with other people. They need to see this and they need to understand it. Now, ultimately, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives complete understanding. Amen? Because when you are a non-believer, I'm not sure if you understood these words, if you ever read them. But if you're a believer, you understand exactly what these words mean and what it is to look forward to them. That's why you have to share those words and pray that the Spirit gives insight to that person that you're witnessing to. You might have some people on your mind right now that need to hear these words or need to be encouraged by these words. There's plenty of people. You know who they are. You know exactly who they are. But I think it's a great thing to see that. And, you know, reading further on, uh, you you see how John, when I saw and heard these things and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. In other words, put the worship where it needs to go. It's you worshiping the Lord, Jesus Christ. He's the one that's providing all this for us. The angels are only messengers, just like, you know, we are messengers. The angels are also servants of the Lord, just like we're servants of the Lord. But God has entrusted us and given us the ability through his grace and mercy to speak these words to other people and share this gospel with other people. Always be ready to share when you're called upon. This is a great passage to go to. Revelation 22 verses 1, not 23. You scratch out the 23 on your handout. Revelation 22. OK, so we covered those and we recognized those passages and it, it went down to verse nine and we already did that. So I can see that we kind of covered the next section there. I'm not even sure how that got in there. It must be. A, I must have had a, a moment where I, I had a temporary lapse and my brain blew up or something. So we covered Revelation 22 verses one through nine just from that. Now, let's go to Ezekiel, <laughs> shall we? Pardon me. What about Daniel? Ezekiel is the book before Daniel. Is that what you're? Yeah, Ezekiel twenty-eight. Of course, Ezekiel is significant because you have the um, prophecy that's speaking being spoken. And we're going down to verses 24 through 26. And if you read Ezekiel, you'll notice that it goes, the, the passages speak prophecy, but it goes kind of in and out. It goes talking about the, the times that they're living in, but it also talks about the future. And this is an example of that too. Well, let's start with verse just for, just for uh, continuity. It says, let's just start with verse 22. Of uh, verse twenty one, excuse me. Son of man, set your face towards Sidon and prophesy against her and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Sidon. I will be glorified in your midst, and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I execute judgments in her and am hallowed in her, for I will send pestilence upon her and blood in her streets, the wounded shall be judged in her midst by the sword against her on every side, then they shall know that I am the Lord. And if those of you who are following along also in the daily Bible reading, you'll know that you're also in Jeremiah right now. And Jeremiah is just laying it on. He is having to tell them, you guys are going to be destroyed because of your total lack of regard for who God is. But look what it says in verse 24. Here in this passage, and there shall no longer be a pricking briar or a painful thorn for the house of Israel from among all who are around them, who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered, and am hallowed in them in the sight of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant, Jacob, and they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments and all those around them who despise them, then they shall know that I am the Lord, their God. Now, what can we take from this particular passage here? It's referring to peoples who are gathered together, who have been scattered. Well, who are we as the body of Christ? We're scattered where? Everywhere. We're all over. We're all over the world. We're all in different places. And we also know we live in a time, if you were to read this, this book as well as Jeremiah, think about the world that we live in today. There's a lot of parallels to what you're reading in those passages. Even though we're talking about the behavior of the people and the nations at that time, There's a lot of a parallel to what we're experiencing here today in this world. Some of the worst things that you can imagine are happening to people. And, you know, Christians are still being persecuted. Hey, we know that. Christians were being slaughtered over in Africa not too long ago. We know that this is taking place. But there are people who are standing up for Jesus Christ and they're being cut down because of that belief. There's all numbers of people of the body of Christ all over the world. And we know that there's still time because we know that the end's going to come. That's Matthew twenty four fourteen. Once everybody has had the proclamation of Christ that needs to hear it. So until that time, we're going to have the world that we have right now. There are going to be still people who are all over the world who are worshiping and following Jesus Christ. And we're still going to have people who are going to be attacking those who are following Christ. You know full well that here in the United States there's still an ongoing attack against Christianity and Christians. Uh, between uh, having, I'm waiting for the day when they finally say they can't use with God, with God all things are possible in the state of Ohio uh, uh, Statehouse. I'm waiting for that one. That already has overcome court challenges. I don't know if you knew that or not. There probably still is one now. There, there have been ongoing court challenges about that. So just be aware, but this is not just here in Ohio. This is all over the country. This is nothing new because if you understand what's going on here, because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a world where Satan is the head of this fallen world, of course he's going to attack whatever we stand for as Christians. So you have to be realistic about that and be prepared for that. This is nothing new because this has been going on ever since. Jesus Christ walked the earth. There's nothing new that's going on here. But just be aware that as we keep moving forward, from generation to generation to generation, these attacks are going to be ongoing. So, this passage is referring to what? Knowing that there won't be any, there will be more security for the believer when we get to a certain point. Secure where you can actually live your life without having to be concerned about threats. You can live your life where you don't have to be worried about someone attacking you. There's always a threat for those in many countries like this. All the coup d'etats that have taken place. So what you're looking at here is that you will no longer be scattered. You'll be you'll be hallowed. You'll be in the sight of the Gentiles. You'll dwell in your own land which was given to his servant Jacob. And you're going to dwell safely there. Build houses, plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments on all those around them who despise them. Understand something. When you're in heaven, you'll be able to do all these things securely. But yet you still have a God who is going to be doing what? Rendering justice and judgment. We don't have a timetable as to how this takes place. But we do know when we're raptured up, aren't we going to be with the Lord? For those of us who believe in the pre-trib rapture, We're going to be with the Lord right then. There's going to be safety and security at that point. But there's still more work to be done, isn't there? You've got the tribulation that's taking place after that. I'm a pre-trib person. I believe that the Lord's going to pull many of us out before all this other stuff takes place. Which is kind of in line with that, what was that book that that guy did, LaHaye? What was the name of the book, Tim LaHaye and the... Left behind, yeah. He's following the pre-trib rapture way of seeing things. Okay. Thank you. I can remember these things. Okay. So we need to see that there is going to be safety and security. Now, i got to tell you something. That's a big deal. For some of us who came up in the old neighborhood, I wouldn't go back to my old neighborhood today because it's completely different. In some some of the places where we live, it is there's hardly any safety or security in some of these places. If they're still there, uh, that's the other thing too. Your dad's neighborhood, I know. It's completely different from when you were growing up, and it's nothing to look forward to. Between drug busts and... You know, weapons and police coming and raiding homes and stuff like that. So it's hardly a place that's safe or secure. And I got to tell you something, if you're in, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're living in an area like that, you can't wait to be in a place that's truly safe and secure. You had your hand up, Ed. um,
1: um,
0: Oh, you're going to do this to me now. It's all an interpretation, but go ahead. Um, yep. Pre-trial being, you know, uh Christians going along with Jesus. Yes. And
1: there's the belief that pre-trial is it. Once that happens, you won't have an opportunity to go to Jesus. The other no. thought was, would be is, is that during the tribulation, there is
0: still an opportunity to be with the Lord. That's correct. It's the second thought. Uh, absolutely. There is there is going to be still an opportunity for people once, once the rapture takes place. The, the thought is that anybody who does not know the Lord is still here. And that's when a lot of stuff is going to be unleashed at that point. There's going to be a period of safety and security for three and a half years, and the last three and a half years is going to be stuff that nobody would ever want to experience before you know, or after. Oh, there's still an opportunity. Oh, remember what God's word says. He desires for every person to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's not going to change during the tribulation. So if anybody has a belief that that's not going to happen, then that's just contradicted. You just contradicted God's own words. Of course he's going to want to see people come. Now we have to understand, too, the end will come in Matthew twenty four fourteen has multiple meanings. The end is relative to what? Our existence. Now the end may not be the end as when we were raptured up. The end may be the end as in the end of the tribulation. So we have to understand that. The end is the end of the tribulation means that the world will no longer exist after that, the way we understand it to exist. Remember, because the world is still going to be in place during the tribulation. The world that we live in now. What form it will take after that, we don't know. We understand that the world's going to be destroyed and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we are all going to be brought into. But that's not going to take place until what? When? After the tribulation, after the world ends, after that point where this world that we understand is destroyed. Because remember... We're supposed to be reigning on earth for a period of time as well, too. With Jesus Christ. You have to tie all of this stuff together. It's going to be very murky as far as a timeline, but we have to understand that that's exactly what is supposed to take place. And remember, you got to go back to this whole saying about what the Lord, with the Lord, a thousand years is a day and it's still a thousand years for us. But for him, time is like, he's eternal. So a thousand years might be just like a day. So we have to keep all of that in perspective. But for us, a thousand years is still a thousand years. Okay. So I'm glad that we covered that. Any questions so far about even a question about what Ed mentioned, because that is a good point. I'm not, I'm not about to tell anybody to believe in pre-trib versus post-trib. I leave that up to interpretation, because ultimately it really doesn't matter. There are some things we get hung up on that really aren't relevant to people following Christ. So that would be my only comment about anything that we discuss when we come out of Scripture and look at interpretation. It's still up to the interpreter. I'm, I'm not going to, but you have to be able to support your argument. In you know, just don't believe it because somebody else says it. Don't believe what I say. Figure it out for yourself. Go ahead, you had your hand up. Yes. That's, believe, which is what we read, you're right. That's right. Revelation 6, 9 does talk about that. Yeah. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. Because there was a great slaughter that took place during the tribulation, where there will be. Excuse me. I'm talking like it's past tense. There will be a great slaughter that takes place during the tribulation. That's what's referred to. Woe to pregnant women, remember, in, in the day when it, you know, that you have a place to flee. What are they fleeing from? They're fleeing from persecution to the point of death. That's what's being written about. They cried out with a loud voice, verse 10, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed, their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. So in other words, they are already gone, but they're being told just sit tight for a moment. There are more coming in the same manner. It's a pretty ominous statement. We have to look at the word and and look at the word being truth But you see, that's when these seals are being opened. So even all these seals are taking place, these seals are being opened, there's still people being murdered because they follow Christ. Even in the midst of all this judgment that's taking place. Can everybody hear you? I don't think so. It's much easier to come to Christ now. Oh yeah. including your life. Which is, you know, ultimately, if you make a decision for Jesus Christ before you die, then that counts the same as the deathbed confession here today. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of that. Because they're all judged as the same, ultimately, no matter how much time they've spent. That's exactly right. Yeah. You'd rather do it now. It's a diff- we don't even know. We can't, we can't even imagine what this world's going to be like when we are raptured out. You can't even think or imagine what that's going to be like because if you really think about it if all the believers from the church the bride of Christ are pulled out of the earth and out what do you have left Pardon me the holy spirit has been re- that's that's a good point too the holy spirit has been removed because the spirit is one who dwells within us the spirit's going to go with where we are, that's right. And I say we because I, I plan to be in the rapture. Thank you. <laughs> I plan to be flying and I don't have to have a spacesuit like Superman. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I, 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 don't, I won't need wings. You know how you drink that drink Red Bull, you, you have wings. You won't need wings at that point. I'm going what now? I'm going to defy gravity, that's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) I'll be very happy about that too. Because that means the Lord's going to be in sight. Amen. I mean, that's what you want. It's all the more reason for us to do everything we can to make sure that we're reaching people right now for Christ. I mean, that's what it comes down to. The world is going to be so totally different after the rapture. You can't even conceptualize it. You really can't. There's going to be a lot of confusion. There's going to be a lot of mayhem. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be redone, reorganized. You've got businesses that are going to be empty. You've got places where one person was taken out of a field, the other person was standing there and still remains. It's going to be an amazing thing. Okay.
1: He's educated in America. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. And, and so this woman now is teaching all of them to bring guns to church. And this son manufactures more guns than any gun organization in the United States. Wow. <laughs> They're getting ready to protect themselves because we don't have a revolution in the United States. Okay. Well. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're you're next.
0: Well, here's the thing. Um, part of this is an interesting conversation because let's let's shift to America for a moment. We're talking about freedom of worship. And there have been attacks on those who have been in church because the, the attacker knows or, or surmises that those churches are unarmed. And we've had conversations here at our church. Um, some of you know. Um, about having a disaster plan in the event of an attack because we, we obviously are not going to have guns arm us. We have had in some churches where they have had protection, where people have had were armed, and it did, it did quell any attempt at any type of violence. Um, but we have to be aware that we're in a changing time where there will be an escalation of attacks. I believe that. I, I, I'm fairly certain of that. We're going to have it rough here in the United States. Yes. Because what it is, they are against anything that's not their religion. Correct. They are so short of it. Well, even, well even, even, not even, even, I know where you're getting at with the other religions. Uh, you're talking about the, the jihad thing and all that with... Um, they and they have bastardized it because they've actually taken it and and used it, misused it. But not to get on that tangent. Now, I want like to say this: they
1: like what we call when you exempt when you own the land. Mm-hmm. What do they call a C three or something? I don't think I think Tyler somebody could tell us more about it. But this, they got all this land free and they're not paying
0: taxes on it. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. But we but we also need to understand that a lot of the motivation against churches is just a general hatred of God. It's not necessarily because of one religion or one faith. If there's a general hatred of God and the people of God, that those people are subject to attack or persecution. There have been arguments that people should be prepared for that. Um, and even even by fighting fire with fire, and that's arming, which is something that I don't think our church is ever going to do, but I know that there are some churches who are very seriously looking into it because they have a disaster plan. Because what what usually happens is that people will attack where they know they can't be addressed, like schools, okay? Um, You see these types of things happening the way people are thinking this is the result of a deterioration of a lot of our cultures, our society, our ways of thinking. There's a bunch of folks that need the Lord. But there are also a bunch of folks who are just doing the work of Satan. And we may not be able to reach them. You need to be prepared for that. And just to understand that those things are happening. And they're not just happening here, but they're happening all over the world. This is why we need to be prepared the moment someone comes to you and asks questions about the Lord, be ready to answer them. You've got to be ready. We have to be prepared for that. i got one more passage to look at. Matthew 22. Because I think we're on the home stretch here. Did the first bell sound already? I yes. thought I heard it, yeah. Matthew 22. And we've got uh, verses 23 through 33. I'm going to go through these very quickly. The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came up to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother is to marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married, got married and died having no offspring. He left his wife to his brother. Same thing happened to the second also and the third and so on to all seven. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, then, whose wife will she be of the seven? For they had all had married her. Jesus answered them, You are mistaken because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now concerning the resurrection of the dead, haven't you read what was spoke to, spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Now, you see how the Sadducees, you know, they have a they have a thing where they don't believe um, they don't believe in a resurrection. So that's why they were asking this question. But they don't understand that those of us who are married. Well, my my darling bride Lynn's going to be my sister in Christ. We're not going to be married in heaven. When we talk about marriage, you know, marriage is for here on earth. For the purposes of living here on earth. And when when we die, we're not going to be married in heaven. That's not what, the way it's going to be. We are going to be like brothers and sisters in Christ together. Now, I expect Mrs. Gaines will be my one of my best buddies in heaven. but uh, But we won't be married. So we need to understand that. So you have an indication here about where Jesus is talking about. We're not given in marriage, and you're not going to marry when you're in heaven, when you get there either. But rather, you're going to be like the angels. You're going to be like them as far as what you'll be doing and what you'll be involved in. So that's something we need to see and understand as well, too. Another thing that we need to understand when it comes to teaching and all that, you know, we're going to be together forever. Well, we'll be, we'll be together forever, but not in the way that... Not in that way. What was that for? Y'all cracking jokes over here. Did she say, did she really? I'm not sure if that was good or bad. I'm not really sure what to make of that. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of a, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. Well, she's smiling because she's a happy person. I think that's exactly what it is. She generally has a very good attitude about things. Is that right? Well, I think that's a good time to stop because I can see that some people are trying to start problems. So we're (laughs) all right. So let's uh, let's cut it down. Yes, let's pray. Okay. thank you for being here this morning. Father, we just thank you for this time you've given us to come together as a group. And Lord, we thank you about these lessons about heaven and what scriptures you have given to us to look at about heaven. So we have greater understanding of the very place that we're going. Help us to remember what it says in Revelation 22 about this river of life, this trees, the trees of life, and even the leaves are there to heal the nations. We thank you for this imagery. We thank you for giving us what we expect we should be expecting. We thank you for emboldening us and helping us to be able to speak the faith to other people. We pray now for the upcoming message in the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. We have one concluding lesson that we'll do next week on this subject and then we'll move to a new subject.